0: Enjoy the message. So why enter the year with a positive perspective? Why enter the year with optimism? Why enter the year with hope? Why? Just because it's another year? Just because we're supposed to do that? No. We are told to do so. The Bible tells us to do so. When you walked in, you should have gotten a bulletin. If you didn't, you can raise your hand and one of the ushers will bring one to you. But if you got it, would you pull out the outline and look at what the writer of Hebrews in chapter 6, verse 11 tells us. Look at what he says. He says, we wish that each of you would always be what? Eager. Eager. Another word or word that you would better understand is enthusiastic. You can replace the word eager for enthusiastic. And the writer says, we wish that each of you would always be enthusiastic or eager to show, listen to this, how strong and lasting your hope really is. Now, there's two words that I want you to observe. The word enthusiasm or enthusiastic and hope. Let's look at hope first. What is hope? Hope Is those things that you want to see in your life. Those things that you expect to become a reality in your life. Hope is that picture of how you see your your marriage, how you see your family. Hope is the way you see yourself finishing your career in five years or three years or whatever it is. Hope is the way you see life in the future. Those things that you expect. That's hope. But let me tell you that hope is not enough. To have a picture, to have a portrait of what you expect, of what you want an area of your life to be is not enough. In order for that hope to become a reality, in order for that picture, in order for that dream that you have to become a reality, you got to get to work. You got to do some work. Which brings me to the second word, and then that is the word enthusiasm. That is the word enthusiastic other versions use other words in this passage one of the words is the word diligence and diligence means careful and persistent work another version uses the word earnestness which is sincere and in intense conviction and here's 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 what, what what we're trying to say it takes work to make your hope a reality it takes work to make your dreams a reality it takes hope that, to, to, that what you picture, that what you pray about, to see it come to life. L- look at what the word enthusiasm means. Let's break it down. The word enthusiasm, it's the word enthels, which means in God. The, the letters N means inside and "theos" means God, which is inside God. In other words, enthusiasm is God in you. And it will be God in you, enthusiasm, that will bring your hopes into into a reality, that will bring your dreams into reality, that will get you moving to do the intentional work that you need to do. Listen to this. You know this already. Everything begins and ends with God. God in us, not just around us, because everybody wants God around them. But not everybody wants God in them. Right, I've said this to you before, we want God to change people, but to leave us alone. Change my husband, change my kids, but leave me with my bitterness and leave me with my anger. Change my boss, but don't change my bad habit of coming to work late and slacking off at work. Right? We want God around us, but not in us. And it is when God is in us that it really transforms our lives. Let me tell you something. Lasting, true change happens from the inside. If you just change the outside, but you don't change the inside, that change will not last. And because everything begins and ends with God, here's why that's important, and here's a quote for you. The stronger, the deeper your relationship with God is, the stronger and the deeper your enthusiasm will be. You want to get enthusiastic about life? You want to get enthusiastic about your marriage? You want to get enthusiastic about church? You got to get in on God. You got to press in on God. You got to make God first. And that's really what we want to do this year. That's really what we want to do. How do you strengthen your relationship with God? If your relationship with God determines your enthusiasm towards life. How do you strengthen your relationship with God? Really simple put God first, make God first. Now I've said this in the past and it's so true. Everybody says that God is number one in their lives. That's what words say. But what does your calendar say? What does your checkbook say? What does your TV viewing habits say? What do your relationships say? Do they say that God is first or is God first just something you utter? It's just something you you confess or you profess. Listen, if we want good in our life, if we want those things that we're hoping for to become a reality, we got to put God first. If God is not first, much of the good that you're hoping for will not happen. In fact, when God is not first, things will not get better. They will get worse. And Jesus told us to put God first. Look at what he says. I'm pretty sure that if you're a church person, you, you're familiar with Matthew 6, And look at what he says. He says, but first, but seek what? First, his kingdom and his righteousness. And look at what he says. And all these things will be given to you. What? As well. Let me tell you the context of the verse, right? If you read a few verses before that passage, before that verse, Jesus is talking about our human needs. He's saying, hey, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. He says, don't worry about those necessities in life. Don't let worry get the best of you. Instead... Seek God first. Instead, make God your top priority. Instead of worrying, worship. Uh, Send your affection to God. Give your devotion to God. Instead of worrying about life, seek God first. And and here's something powerful that Jesus said, okay? I'm going to make it really simple for you. And when you get this, this is the potential. This has the potential to transform lives. And this is the reason many people go to church and their lives are not transformed and here's what jesus was saying when god is first everything will be in order when god is put first everything else will line up there's people who are experiencing disorder in their lives because god is not first in their lives There's disorder in their finances, there's disorder in their marriage, there's disorder in their relationships, there's disorder in their thoughts, there's disorder in their minds, there's disorder in all of their lives because God is not first. And what Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, if you put God first, everything else will be added, everything else will line up. You practice this principle of putting first things first this morning. Can I prove it to you? If you got shoes on, you put your sock first, then your shoe. You didn't put your shoe, then try putting your sock. That would be what? Craziness. If you got a butted shirt like I do, how important is it for the buttons to line up where they go. What would happen if I took this first button? (laughs) Easy, Tiger. Lorena's not here, so. What would happen if I took this first button and started down here? And this is how a lot of people are living. They're putting their job first. They're putting their pleasures first. They're putting entertainment first. And it's a mess. And they're wondering why it's a mess. Because guess what? That first button, that first place belongs to God. And when that first button lines up, when God lines up in your life, everything else lines up in your life. Amen? So, today, we're we're beginning a series of messages titled First. And the idea is of putting God first. But in this series, if you know me by now, you know that I'm a very practical person. I have theological beliefs, but I believe those theological beliefs need to be practical. So, when we talk about putting God first, what we're going to do in this series is look at habits Of how we can actually put God first so that it's not just something we say with our mouth, but something that we live with our lives. And we're going to be looking at those practices. And today we're going to look at the first thing that we can do if we want to put God first. And that is if you want God to be first in your life, you must fast. And that is why we're starting our 21-day fast. What is fasting? Here's what fasting is, okay? Fasting is an exercise of consecration. If you want to know what fasting is, I'm going to tell you a little bit more, but here's the definition. Fasting is a habit, is a discipline, is an exercise of consecration. What is consecration, pastor? To consecrate means to separate yourself from something to dedicate yourself to something else. That means that when I consecrate myself, I move from this area or I move from these habits into these habits with a purpose. And, um, you know, through fasting, what we do is that we disconnect from certain foods, we disconnect from from those junk foods, we disconnect from those delicious foods, we disconnect from the easy food, not to get in a diet, but to seek God. To create a physical hunger that can be transformed into a spiritual hunger. And you know that's what we need, don't you? You know that what we really need is more of God in our lives. But if you're honest, sometimes it's easy to just put God aside. It's easier to watch a football game. It's easier to just stay in bed. It's easier to just not give. And you have the intention, but you don't have the enthusiasm. You don't have the discipline. You don't have the hunger to do those things. So through fasting, we are consecrating, we are separating ourselves from certain foods to be able to seek God more. And uh, we printed, we created this little booklet a long time ago. You, you can't buy this book anywhere. This is something that uh, we made here in Dayspring. And uh, there's a couple of these out there. Uh, all you need one is one per family. Um, and in it, you're going to get all the information you, do, you need to do the Daniel fast. And it's 21 days. We're starting today after the service. We're going to participate of communion in a little bit. And then after that, we're starting our fast. I'll tell you more about it. But if you have not decided, or even if you've decided to do the fast, and you're saying, but I don't know what, how this looks. I don't know how this works. These books are outside. Pick one up and, and follow it. Uh, basically, here's what we're doing. We're doing a vegan fast. You stay away from all the junk food. You know what I did yesterday? Because I know the devil is a liar. For about a month or more, I had been craving a boba. A boba. If you don't know what a boba is, I probably shouldn't tell you because then you're going to be craving it. So I started getting ready for the fast a few days ago. And I was really craving a boba. And during the fast, you can't have boba. So I went yesterday and I bought me the biggest boba I could find. Just to get it out of my system. Because over the next 21 days, I am going to consecrate myself. I'm going to separate myself from certain foods to be able to seek and put God first in my life. Amen? Are you going to do that with me? Now... You're saying, pastor, why do we need to fast? Is fasting an obligation? Well, look at what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 16 through 18, right there in your outlines. Look look, look at what he says. He says, and when you what? Fast. Don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disveil so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth. That is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, he didn't say if you fast, but when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. You hear that, teenagers? (laughs) Comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except who? Your father, who knows what you do in private. And your father, who sees everything, will what? will reward you. There's three lessons that Jesus teaches about fasting that I want us to look at this morning. The first lesson that Jesus teaches about fasting, and I want you to fill this out in your outlines, is that fasting needs to be strategically... We got to fast strategically. In other words, we need to have a plan. It needs to be a habit. It's something that needs to be part of our life. Jesus begins verse 16 by saying, And when you fast. And what Jesus is doing here is that he is establishing the importance of practicing fasting strategically. And the key word here is strategically. Desires are not strategic. Good intentions are not strategic. A habit is strategic. Listen, desires are good. Good intentions are good, but they're not enough. If desires and intentions were good enough, we would all be thin, we would all be educated, we would all be rich, we would all have good marriages, we would all have great relationships with our kids, but we don't because desires are not enough. We need strategic planning in our lives. And habits are those actions that take us to that place where we can achieve those things that we want. Listen, Christ said, when you fast. Some of you are saying, does God want me to fast? I asked him. You know what he told me? Yes. And if you want to ask him, I'll tell you where he has the answer. Matthew 6, 16. And when you fast. Listen, Jesus expects us to fast just like he expects us to pray, just like he expects us to read the Bible. And fasting is something that we see in the Bible so often. Did you know Jesus fasted before he started his ministry? Did you know that that Esther uh, before she needed a miracle in her life because her and all of her people were going to going to be killed and she needed to go to the king and make an advocate on behalf of her people. And before she went into the king, she fasted. We have many people in the Bible who fasted before something big in their lives. And we need to fast. That's why you should fast before you start dating. That's why you should fast before you get married. That's why you should fast when you need a miracle. If you want to know the will of God, you should fast. If you want to know what God's will for you is, you should fast. If you need a breakthrough, you should fast. If you're a senior, listen to me, if you're a senior in high school and you don't know what you're going to do or where you should go or you're uncertain about what colleges are going to accept you, you should fast. You should fast and say, Lord, I got something big coming up. Would you guide me? Would you open doors? Would you make a way? When you put God first, things will line up. And the first thing that God teaches us, that Jesus teaches us about fasting, is that it needs to be strategic. I want to share something that I do. Not um, in a proud way, but in a practical way, because I want to invite you to do this moving forward. Every Sunday, I fast from the moment I go to sleep to the moment I wake up. No, I'm joking. Um, I fast every Sunday morning till the end of our service. And you may say, Pastor, that's not a fast. That's so short. I know it's short, but it's big in meaning before the Lord. You know why? Because every Sunday morning, I wake up, I wake up my kids at 7, and I give them breakfast. I've served them breakfast, and I'm tempted to eat. And when I get here, the first smell that I smell is what? And I walk in there, and the ladies are so nice. They're always offering me everything, and I got to say what? No. You know why I do this? I do this because I want to put God first, and I want God to move in our services. I do that strategically every Sunday. Last year, there was only one Sunday that I didn't fast. Only one Sunday. And that is because I had such a huge headache that I needed to get something in my system. But when you, Jesus taught us that we need to fast is strategically. Second, the second thing he teaches us, would you write this out in your outlines, is that we, are to, that we need to fast with the right motivation. You need to fast with the right motivation. Look at what he says. He says, Don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disveiled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. Fasting is a powerful tool, but it is important that you do it with the right intentions. It is important that you do it with the right motives. When people fast, they experience weight loss. But biblical fasting is much more than losing weight. And the reason some people have fasted and have not experienced change in their lives is because they haven't done it for the right motives. Let me tell you a little bit about what fasting is and what fasting is not so that you can have the right motives. First and foremost fasting is not a diet fasting is not a diet you can be excited about losing some pounds and we should be i'm excited about losing a few pounds but fasting is much more than losing weight i saw this really cool quote this week look at what it says it says a diet changes the way you look fasting changes the way you see A diet changes the way you look. You're going to look thinner. You're going to look more handsome. You're going to look more pretty. You might smell even better. That's what a diet does. But fasting changes the inside to the outside. So fasting is not a diet. We are not going on a diet. Fasting involves abstaining from certain foods, which is called a diet, but it's much more than a diet. Second thing, fasting is not. Fasting is not a punishment. Fasting is hard, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a few seconds. But fasting is not a punishment. We are not punishing ourselves so that God can accept us. It isn't fasting that makes us acceptable. It is Jesus that makes us acceptable. We don't fast because we sin and we need to somehow please God. No, 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 no. We don't do that. Jesus paid for our For our sins, he paid for our mistakes, he paid for our wrongdoing, he paid for it at the cross. Fasting is not a form of punishment. Amen? The other thing that fasting is not, and you can fill this out in your outlines, is that fasting is not a hunger strike. Fasting is not a hunger strike. And you know what a hunger strike is? A hunger strike is when people will stop eating because they want to force somebody else to do something. Fasting is not a hunger strike on God. Through fasting, you don't force God to do something. Because you fast, God doesn't have to do something. What fasting is, is that fasting aligns you to the will of God. It brings you to the presence of God where God is able to do things. But if you're fasting and you're saying, I fasted. God needs to bring my dad back. No, he doesn't have to. Fasting is not you forcing God to do what you want. Fasting is aligning yourself to what God wants to do in your life. And last but not least, fasting is not a religious legalism. Fasting is not a religious legalism. Okay? Don't fast so that others can see how holy you are. Don't fast. So that others can see how better you are than they are. No. If you do it with that intention, if you do it so that others can see your righteousness, Jesus said that that is all the reward you will get. So what is fasting? Well, let's look at what fasting is. Fasting is an invitation to receive more of God. Fasting is an invitation to receive more of God, to receive more of his presence, to receive more of his power, to receive more of his peace, to receive more of his joy, to hear him clearly. Fasting is an opportunity to experience God in a more deep and personal way. That's what fasting is. Second, fasting is disconnecting from the world to focus on my relationship with God. Fasting, the right intention, the right motive for fasting is to say, I'm going to disconnect from the world to be able to connect with God. One of the things that that, that we did, and this is really the difference between fasting and dieting, is that not only do you abstain from certain food, but you spend time with God. And we spend time in prayer. This year, we're going to have prayer every first and third saturday of the month this january was the f- was the only month that we didn't have it the first saturday because we wanted it to line up with the beginning of our fast so this coming saturday we're gonna have prayer and listen if you're abstaining from food but you're not spending time with god you're dieting and that'll be good for you but you can't expect miracles in your life and one of the things that we did is we printed this booklet that's also available out there by the way all this stuff is free we, we're not selling this stuff, okay? It wasn't free to us, but, but we're giving it free to you. And this is a, a devotional booklet that's got um, 21 devotionals, and they're really short. So if you're saying, oh, I got five kids and I don't got time, listen, 15 minutes with God. You read the word, you hear some comments, and then you pray. Teenagers, young people, you could do this too. Take this to school. And while you're waiting on the bus, while you're waiting um, in between periods or whatever it is, connect with God. And if you connect with God, your year will be different. Amen? So these will be available outside. The third thing that fasting is. Fasting is an instrument to awaken our spiritual sensibility. Fasting is an instrument to awaken our spiritual sensibility. By fasting... We enter into an experience of greater spiritual impact. We become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We become more sensitive to his word. You know, there's some of us that God has been talking to you. But our hearts and our mind and our spirit have become so numb by life that you can't hear it. And when you're fasting, let me tell you, if you're fasting, do not be surprised if you're driving and suddenly the presence of God fills your car. If you're fasting, do not be surprised if in the middle of the night, God wakes you up and you feel his presence right there with you. When you're fasting, do not be surprised if suddenly certain things become more clear to you. Because when we fast, we become more sensitive to the move of God, to the presence of God, to the Holy Spirit. And when we awaken the spiritual, when we awaken the spiritual hunger, we are able to see God, we are able to feel God, and we are able to hear God. And one of the things that we're doing in this fast, we're going to do it on the the last Sunday, is that we're going to have a prophetic Sunday. And we're going to believe that God is going to speak to us. And we're going to have a time of prayer where we're going to invite you to come and to let us pray for you because we are going to believe that God has something specific to say to you. And let me tell you something. If you fast, you will be more sensitive to what God wants to say to you. And how many, how many of us need God to speak to our lives? I, I, I got some areas in my life where I'm at a crossroad and I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do. And during this fast, I'm saying, God, you're going to give me clarity. You're going to show me what to do. Amen. That's what fasting is. And then, last but not least, fasting is a sacrifice that produces powerful results. Fasting is a sacrifice that produces powerful results. Okay, I got to tell you this in advance. If this is going to be your first time fasting, or even if it's not, fasting is hard, isn't it? It's hard. We've been doing it for over nine years, and it it gets a little bit easier, but it's still hard. Fasting will cost you. Fasting will be painful. Fasting will be challenging. It will not be easy, but here's the trick. Here's the key. It will be worth it. If if you're addicted on coffee, you're going to suffer. Your head's going to hurt, your muscles are going to hurt, your back is going to hurt, your stomach is going to make all kinds of weird noises, you're going to see all kinds of weird things. Why? Because we are used to eating a certain way and we're changing our diet and that is going to affect us. And it's got to be a sacrifice that even when you're craving that coffee and you're saying, oh, I want to put that dulce caramel latte creamer on it, that you would say, but I need Jesus more in my life more than that coffee, more than the donuts, more than the chili cheese fries, more than the steak, more than the tacos, more than the pupusas, more than in and out, more than pizza. I want God in my life. And listen, it's going to be a sacrifice. You know Why? because you're going to be around people who are not fasting. You're going to be around people who are still going to be eating those tacos and those donuts and that in and out and that steak. And it's going to take it's going to take a sacrifice from you to say, "No, I can't participate of that." Because my priority is not my appetite, is God. And fasting is a sacrifice. It will cost you, but it leads to powerful results, which leads me to the third point. The third thing that Jesus teaches us about fasting is that we need to fast with expectation. We need to fast with expectation. Look at how he ends that passage in verse 18. He says, and your father who sees everything, what will he do? will reward you when you fast you need to know that you will have a reward When you fast, you need to know that God will take notice and God will do something in your life. So you need to fast with expectation. There is something that you need to come to God and say, God, I'm putting you first in my life and here's the mess that I got and here's the issues that are going on and here's my hope and here's my dreams and and you got to believe that we have a good God who will reward when we seek Him diligently. If you fast without expectations... Then nothing's going to happen. You got to believe that God wants to bless you. You got to believe something big. This morning, God reminded me of something that, that a pastor told me once. He said, we got to beg God. And unless you think big, you're going to get in his way. So what big dreams are you going to have? What big ambitions are you going to ask God to do this year? What big move are you going to expect God? When you fast, you got to have expectations that God is going to do something. When the why becomes bigger than the excuse, we will fast. When we say, you know, only God can bring my dad back, and I am going to seek him, and I am going to go after him so that he gives me clarity, so that he moves in my life, so that he opens doors, then fasting will will be easier than not fasting so what expectations do you have for this coming year i want to help you um dan and 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 i appreciate Dan so much dan and i have sort of been talking about just kind of what we sense god wanting to do in this fast and he he shared something with me this week that uh the lord put in his heart um the lord woke him up in the morning and he gave him three words And he shared them with me. And as I was praying in my time of preparing for today, I was praying. I was saying, Lord, what do you want us to do with these? When I read them, they impacted me. And I told Dan, and you can ask him so you know I'm not lying. I said, I'm taking these personally. I'm I'm adapting these. I'm embracing these to my life. And as I was praying and asking the Lord about them, he said, Nestor, these are the invitations that I'm making to my people. I'm giving them, quote-unquote, a blank check so that they can expect something from me. Let me give you the three words. You can fill this out in your outline. The first word is renew. The second word is refresh. And the third word is refocus. Renew, refresh, and refocus. What do you need God to renew? What do you need God to renew? Do you need God to renew your thinking? Maybe you've become negative. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're anxious, and what you need God to do is to renew your thoughts. Do you need God to renew a relationship? Maybe you and your spouse, you're growing apart. Maybe you and your family, you're growing apart, and you need God to renew that. Do you need God to renew your dreams? Do you need God to renew an opportunity? What do you need God to do I want to invite you, I want to challenge you in that space after renew to write down what you believe and need God to renew and say, God, I am going to fast for you to renew and you fill in the blank. Second word, refresh. What do you need God to refresh in your life? You know, I believe that That people don't stop loving God. The majority. I believe that what happens is that we lose our passion for God. God still matters, but we're just not passionate. And sometimes we need God to refresh our passion. We need God to refresh our strength, to refresh our commitment. What do you need God to refresh? In that blank, would you feel that? And that can be your prayer and say, Lord, during this fast, will you refresh my strength? Lord, I'm tired. I'm, I'm burning out. I'm wearing out. Lord, would you refresh my heart? Would you refresh? I don't know what you need to refresh. You know that. And then the third word is refocus. Where do you need to refocus in your life? What needs to be refocused? Maybe you need to refocus your health. Maybe you lost track of your health and you haven't been taking care of yourself like you should. And you need God to, to help you refocus and get your health back in order. Maybe it's your ministry or maybe it's a business or maybe what you need refocus is your desires. Maybe the desires that you have are not desires that align with the will of God. Maybe you've been craving drinking and partying and cussing and doing things that you know that don't please God. And during this fast, what you need to ask is, God, would you realign my desires? Would you realign my passions to your will, to your plans in my life? Maybe some of you guys, you know that. God gave you a calling. He gave you a purpose. And you're like Jonah. You went the opposite way. You're doing your own thing. And what you need to do in 2020. Is refocus back into the plan that God has for your life. What do you need God to refocus in you? I want to challenge you to fill those out. And then at some time today. I want you to put those on your phone. And every day. When you wake up and when you go to sleep. Would you say, God, during this fast, I am praying for you to renew, for you to refresh, and for you to refocus. And then say what you need him to refocus. Can I tell you? I'm going to tell you one of mine. I need God to refresh my heart. 2019 was, emotionally, was a really difficult year for me. And one of my favorite passages, one of the, models in my life is above all things guard your heart because from it the issues of life flow in other words the condition of your heart determines the way you see life and when your when your heart has taken a beating you tend to see things negative negative. and here's what I told God and I shared this with my wife I said first of all I don't want to live that way I don't want to live with a negative heart. I don't want to live with a wounded heart. I don't want to live with a hurting heart. And second, I don't want to serve the Lord with a hurting heart. One of my prayers is, God, would you refresh my heart? Because guess what? There's only one that can change the heart, and that's Jesus. And during this fast, I'm asking him, Lord, Would you refresh my heart? Would you change what's going on in here? Would you change what's happened? And that is why I'm putting God first. So what are you going to ask God to renew? What are you going to ask God to refresh? What are you going to ask God to refocus? I want to ask the worship team to come up here. If you haven't filled those blanks out, I want to invite you to take some time to do that. We're going to get ready to participate of communion. And if you're going to be doing the 21-day fast. It is with communion that we're going to begin our fast. And it is with communion that we're going to end our fast. On January 26th, right? Yeah, today, well, today's the 5th or 6th? 5th. So on January 26th, on Sunday, January 26th, we're going to have our last service of the fast. And we're going to break our fast with communion. And we're going to start fast with communion. Day spring. Church, I want to challenge you. If you came this morning and you had no intention to fast, let me tell you, fast. Try it. You will see how God will move in your life and you will see the change it will make in you. Nine years ago, we started fasting. And as long as I live, I will always fast at the beginning of the year. It changes everything. Jesus can change. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations! If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.